love riding my bike. I love running. I don't care what they think about it. I love it. At that point, when I knew I was going to win, chills just went up and down my entire body. I don't believe there are any good or bad foods. Food is food. I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just going to do it. As an athlete, I was like, what's my story or what's your story? What can you learn from it? And what can you teach people? Welcome to the Iron Women Podcast. I'm Haley Chura. I'm joined by Alyssa Gadeski. And Alyssa, we are recording this on Marathon Monday, the day of the Boston Marathon. So this is coming out on Thursday. Everyone's had a chance to catch up, see the results. And it was a fascinating race. Um, I think it was Paris Jeptacher and Ababel Yesh, Yesh, Yeshana. I'm probably pronouncing that incorrectly, but um, sprint finish basically at the finish line. And what I wanted to ask you was, is that your worst nightmare having a sprint finish like that? Or is that something that you would enjoy doing? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think it would be, I'd enjoy doing it because I'm freaking like in a race for the winning of the Boston marathon. So I would hope that I would be enjoying that, that like whole thing unravel. And I kind of felt like they realized what they were doing and were not having fun with it as much, but like they were, they were racing. Right. And I think when you're a professional athlete, that's like what you live for literally. Right. That's what you're like eating and breathing and doing. So I think yeah, I think I live for those moments and in long course endurance sports and stuff, it just, it doesn't happen like that so often, especially not when it's, uh, an event that's getting nationally broadcast, you know, and you can watch it all unfold like that. So I think I really enjoyed it. I was super pumped to be watching it unfold. I didn't know how it would go and, you know, listening to like Kara Goucher call the race and she didn't know either. And you could just feel the excitement kind of as it was all unfolding. But yeah, I think, um, and you know, it makes you a better like competitor in a way to have things like that happen. I bet just to have that experience. And, um, so hopefully, you know, they both took that away from it, both first and second place. But what about you? Would you relish in that moment or not so much? Oh yeah. I would love it. I would love it. I mean, I think that that's kind of one of those things like, um, I think a sprint finish, I think you can be really proud if you end up on either side of that, but I do think that's, you know, that's sport. That's why we race head to head, but congratulations to Paris Jeptacher for, for coming away with that win. I, I didn't know when they were running down Boylston, you know, she was making moves. I didn't know who was going to get it. So Olympic champion and Boston marathon champion and, um, definitely entertainment for today. I was fired up watching. Yeah, it was super fun. And, you know, I'm two hours from Boston. So part of me was like, man, I should have just like gone into the city and and caught part of the race and been there to watch it. But the broadcast was, it was a little fuzzy. I don't know if that was just like my feed that I was watching, but I was watching it on the USA network. So I felt like the, it was a little fuzzy. I would have liked to have seen it in like more HD footage. So that would be my feedback to USA network. Um, but getting to see like all of the magic unfolding through the race, I think was really nice to be sitting at home and able to work and watch that, um, you know, during that time. Um, but it was kind of interesting now being so close. I was like, man, I could just make the drive. Yeah. No kidding. Did you have any athletes racing? I did. Yeah. So I had, uh, one woman I coach racing and Hillary had, had two others or, um, within our coaching system. And so we had, we had three people out there kind of, and 
two of the three are also racing in St. George. So, um, yeah, yeah. So the, the one who's not had a nice big or a nice PR and like ran 25 minutes faster than her last Boston, I think a few years ago. And I think she's 50 or 52 years old. So really, um, really cool to see that happen. And then, yeah, our other two athletes are also racing in St. George. So this they can consider as like a, their last long run. Good Hills getting ready for St. George Hills too. So yeah. um, get the pounding out now on the legs, I think, right? No kidding. I had one athlete race and she had a really solid day. So it seemed like they had great weather and just, um, you know, an iconic event. So fun to watch. I, again, like I said, I was very motivated and Nell Rojas, who we've had on the show, she was a top American woman to finish. I think she finished 10th with a big PR 225. So um, you know, it's, it's fun. Watching racing is fun. Being in the race is fun and, uh, you know, makes us healthy and, or makes us proud to be healthy and fit enough to get on those start lines. And you know what else is fun, Haley, our workouts. And so do you have your Kona prep workout of the week? Oh gosh, I didn't. Okay. I didn't prep this, but I think I did a swim recently that I think I can like explain, uh, you know, over audio format and won't be too confusing. I'll just explain the main set part. So, um, I actually did this when I was on, out in Arizona. So I am back in Montana now and, um, definitely return to real life has been a little rough. It is, we had snow on the ground this morning, but, um, I did this swim in the like warm sunshine of Tucson outdoors. Um, and it was, you know, bliss, but the main set, this is one that's like definitely out of my comfort zone because I am definitely someone who doesn't like to do that many, like short intervals, like fifties and, um, hundreds. And this was a lot of fifties. So it started with, uh, like 10 fifties and they're supposed to be with fins and paddles. And those were on the minute and it was three fat or four fast, one easy. And so just really going all out with quite a bit of rest. I didn't actually have fins, so I did paddles only, but I was trying to hold like under 30 seconds. So you're getting quite a bit of rest, but like going really fast. And then from there, I went right into a set where I would do four 25s and those were just swim on the 30 and those were three fast, one easy. And then eight fifties on the 45 seconds. This is short course yards for just to clarify, but, and those I was trying to like hold kind of like a threshold ish pace. So like around, I was doing around 32, 33 seconds, but on shorter rest. So you're getting, you know, just a little over 10 seconds rest on those. And then three, one hundreds easy recovery on like an easier interval. And so I did the, and so I did the 10 fifties. And then once I switched to the like stuff with no equipment, the four twenty fives, eight fifties, three one hundreds, I did that part three times. Did that make sense? (laughs) Um, so it was quite, you know, it was a lot of intensity and, but also like kind of like forcing a pace, like kind of doing that muscular, um, kind of just going hard and then kind of settling into more threshold with a fairly short rest. And again, it was definitely something that took a lot of focus and just to like stay in it because when you're doing fifties, you can't like, you can't really zone out. And so the mental focus it took, the physical focus, I thought it was a, a good set. And, um, again, I got a nice tan while I did it. So that was another bonus. Yeah, that never hurts. So if any of our listeners have been writing that down, I think you probably would want to jot that one down. Um, it has the pattern though. So then you can, you know, bring it to the pool with you, give it a try. And then you could write into our mailbag and let us know how it went. Uh, ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. 
And we'd love to hear if you gave it a try and what you thought, if it's going to propel you to also head to the world championships um, after you use it in your training for one of your races coming up. But Haley, we, we do have a mailbag question coming that came right. in this week um, from Kimberly. So thanks, Kimberly, for your kind words when you wrote in. And Kimberly's a longtime age grouper, over 25 years. She's now in the 50 to 54 category, so tons of experience with any luck, she says. She'll complete her second full Ironman at Ironman Canada in Penticton, one of my favorites. Um, completed, she did Chattanooga in 2019. and But she's had a bit of a setback this year with what she thinks is her sciatic nerve. Um, she has a physiotherapist that's working with her, and she's expecting to be back to regular training in a few weeks. But And she's swimming more in the meantime, but has this like injury nagging. And so she wants to know if we have suggestions on how to bring back volume as things are feeling better. Um, and so she says before the injury, she was at 80 to 90 K for her long ride and 14 to 16 K in the long run with some other shorter sessions. And so she's considering like picking 50% of that volume to come back at, um, but wants us, wants us to weigh in. So what do you think, Kaylee? My first piece of advice would probably be to like talk to your physiotherapist about this because I'm definitely not an uh, expert on sciatic nerve injuries, but, um, and they might have, uh, you know, just kind of a return to training progression that they would suggest and just knowing you and your history. And, um, that would be probably my first piece of advice. And then my second one would be, again, I don't know exactly sciatic nerve if, if it hurts when you're on the bike, but in general, I think you can build up the bike faster than you can the running. So I, just because biking is much, much lower impact, cycling is. And so I would probably suggest like if you're going to start with 50% of cycling, I would actually start with much, much less with running. If it's depending on how long you've been off, just because that doesn't you know, involve impact and you don't want to go from a sciatic nerve injury to, you know, a bone injury from coming back from running too, too quickly or a tendon or ligament or fascia or something like that. So I would just suggest like actually probably being a little bit more conservative with the return to running. And I, we've talked about this several times, but I do think there is a benefit to, you know, you'll get if cycling workouts can benefit your running. And so like that aerobic work that you're doing, or even, you know, if you're doing intervals on the bike, those are going to help your running. And so, um, knowing you have that Ironman in August, like I would, you know, prioritize the cycling as long as that doesn't aggravate your, your injury and then probably add in the running, uh, a little bit slower. Yeah. I think that's all good points. And I would say, you know, I don't know if the physiotherapist is also giving you a strength program or some kind of like PT exercises and things to be doing that. I think that will probably be pretty key. Um, you know, once you're healthy as well as like getting yourself back healthy, I think that's that strength work could be super, super important for you. But again, you know, listen to your physiotherapist and, um, just try to probably err on the side of caution more than anything else. And, yeah, we were, I don't think we can give you an exact answer without kind of knowing a bit more about you, but definitely I think kind of, you know, keep an open mind. I mean, there's athletes, it's Penticton is a long way off still. So you have plenty of time. You don't need to rush things. Um, and, you know, a lot can be done in the meantime, even if you're just able to walk or hike or things like that. And you're building up your swimming and, and cycling while you're still just really making sure that you're healthy otherwise. So the you know, the, they always say it's better to like get to the start line healthy than to kind of re-injure yourself and be at, at half best kind of in August, right? So definitely don't be afraid to err on the side of caution, I think. 
But thank you for the question. And if anyone else has questions, they can write into ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. And we have a fun giveaway. People might have seen on social media a little bit about this, but we, Haley, we have a new sponsor coming on board with Feisty Media, which is super exciting and Iron Women. And so it's Lifetime Try, and they are giving away this month. So we're in April now. And so before the end of the month, by the end of the month, this giveaway will be ending. Um, They're giving away to women two um, entries, two complimentary entries to the 2022 Verizon New York City Triathlon, which is a super, super fun race to do. Haley, have you done New York, New York City? I haven't, but I, um, who did we interview who's done that? I mean, Laurel Wasner, the Wasners. I've done it. You've done it. Oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's funny because I don't usually race short course. That was one I managed to check off the bucket list. And I definitely think everyone should do that one if you have the chance. It's a super fun race. Um, and you can win the entry. That like makes half the decision for you, right? So head to livefeisty.com forward slash giveaways forward slash NYCTRI to enter that. Um, and you can also choose they added a duathlon distance this year. So or duathlon distance. Um, I don't know what, what distance duathlons normally are, but they added a duathlon component. So you'd have that option. You'd have the triathlon you could pick from. You can pick anything. Just you get to go to New York City and race and have a fun time. Get some bagels because who doesn't want bagels when they're in New York City? I love a good like urban triathlon. I think there is something special about just being in a big city and having a closed course. And I've heard that New York City try is like surprisingly hilly. Is that... Do you remember it that way? I do remember that. Um, and I mean, it's just for me, I, I just feel Down like I remember swim, being though. over so fast. Right? Down, Down river, river swim. swim. The pros had to dive off of, we had to dive off of the dock, but I don't think amateurs, don't worry about that. I don't think you have to do a dive to enter, but I remember I, there's a video somewhere that I have of, of me diving off the dock. I think I was next to like Laura Wassner or something, but, um, but it is a downriver swim. That's, I think that's why I figured I'd have a, a, a prayer yeah for, um, for, for a short course race. you could like go to like a broadway show afterwards or like go to yeah. a fancy go to brunch what am i talking about <laughs> this is olympic distance you're done time for breakfast but um definitely exciting to have lifetime on and hope i can't wait to hear who wins wins those complimentary entries but Alyssa, we also have a great interview this week speaking of people who've excelled at the olympic distance uh who are we talking to yeah, so we are chatting with Australian triathlete Ashley Gentle, and Ashley made a name for herself in the triathlon world by being a standout in the WTS series, known as a very fast ITU athlete. She was in the 2016 and 2021 Olympics, um, but we are super excited because we are talking to Ashley as she's kind of entering her season this year, where she has now kind of made the commitment to take on non-draft middle distance events. Uh, we talked to her right after she was at the couples triathlon. She won after that clash Miami, and then she was fourth at the recent Oceanside 70.3. So we get to talk to Ashley about, geez, all of the things. She has some fun plans for later in the year, triathlon and non-triathlon related. And she's going to tell us all about that next. Hi, Ashley. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. 
So we were just chatting a little bit and you are back home, I believe, after a big couple months racing in the U.S. Um, travel from the United States to Australia is obviously always a big trip. These days, it seems to always have some like extra stress coming along with it. So you just did some big racing. You had some big travel. What's training looking like for you right now? Are you in brake mode? Are you like just pedal to the metal? Did you hit the ground running when you landed in Australia? Where are you with that? Yeah, I guess it's been a pretty intense week. Um, I guess I yeah traveled back from uh, LA into Brisbane last week, but I had a few days just at home with Josh. Um, yeah, at home here in Brisbane, but then one of my best friends, she's getting married in a few weeks. So she had a whole hens party planned on the weekend. So I kind of went straight into that, uh, which was a bit of a shock to the system after uh, some intense, like, I guess, uh, training, racing, traveling, jet lag. <laughs> but um, yeah, she's been one of my best friends uh, for like 25 years. So it's a celebration I didn't want to miss. So uh, I guess enjoyed catching up with friends over the weekend. And then I guess this week I'm hitting the ground running again after yeah, having a bit of a week off just to um, just to reset because there's yeah lots of racing on this year. And for our listeners who might not know the translation, the the hens party or week or weekend days or whatever is like bridesmaids. Um, that was something I always would hear and be like, "What is that?" <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think that it's like the equivalent of bridesmaids. I think right. Well, yeah, I guess. Um... It's a bit of a tradition here in Australia. I I didn't realize it wasn't universal, but yeah, it's uh I guess yeah with the bride to be with her bridesmaid and extended friends I guess to just come together, uh, girls girls only before uh yeah an impending wedding. So like a bachelorette party, right? Is that yeah, that's what we say? That's what yeah. the word I was I was looking for. Yes, <laughs> yeah. but uh. But Ashley, your racing spree that you had in the U.S., I think it started with the couples championship. You mentioned your partner, Josh, and I think there was a little bit of a like issue with him making that trip and you were able to pivot. And I watched part of the race and I think you raced on the charity relay. Is that right? How did that work out? What is there? Are you able to like talk about that? Yeah, so unfortunately, Josh wasn't able to gain entry into the U.S., just had some trouble um, in immigration. Yeah, just to be honest, just super un unlucky. Um, yeah, he'd been obviously had a, a valid visa and had it all renewed before he before he came over. But um, yeah, just I think they they didn't let him enter on that particular visa for his trip to the U.S. So he had a quite a pretty well, yeah, horrific ordeal in immigration for he was detained for about twenty four hours. So um, it was pretty scary for him. He was got pretty unlucky. And obviously for me, um, I was waiting at the baggage carousel for about seven hours, just kind of just, we were just thinking, you know, he's going to come down. We thought that he was just going to secondary, which unfortunately is pretty common um, with a lot of athletes from Australia and New Zealand and, and other athletes too, I've since heard that have since reached out. But um, I was kind of just waiting there for him in LAX for about seven hours until someone told me that he wouldn't be entering. So uh, it was fairly stressful. Uh, I ended up still catching my red eye flight over to Florida from LAX. And yeah, it was a solo mission from there. We were supposed to be together and travel together. So unfortunately, we couldn't race the couples championship. Um, 
but I was just happy to hear when Josh arrived safely back in Australia and, you know, he's pretty zen. Like it was pretty um, horrific experience for him. But once he got home and found his feet again, he kind of took it in his stride, which made me um, at ease as well on the other side of the world, just knowing that he was okay. So yeah, went um, over to Florida and you know, without my other half, but thankfully Gwen Georgeson actually donated one of her 5k runs to me so I could still be a part of the charity uh, relay they had there. And um, yeah, the, the Waterfall Bank donated quite a bit of money to the charity in that weekend too. So it was nice to still be a part of the weekend before I then, I guess, went to um, Clash Miami to, yeah, to start off my season eventually. And I know it's impossible to say for sure, but have you speculated, you know, with Josh, like where you guys could have finished, how it would have played out had you been able to be in the mix there? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'd, I'd hate to speculate. I know like Aaron and Non did super well and they would have definitely been really hard to beat. But I guess um, I'd been prepping. We'd both been prepping pretty hard for it. Um, it was pretty fun to be able to you know, still do some super fast training and it was a nice mix up for Josh too. So it wasn't super easy to watch because it definitely would have been nice to race out there, but, um, you know, it is what it was. And I I moved on pretty quick and was just still happy. I could do, do a 5k at least. And so after that couples championship, you said, you mentioned, you, uh, you traveled to clash Miami and there was a lot going on with that race. Another one that had great coverage. We got to watch it. And Sarah Perez Sala was leading and crashed. And then you were then leading the race pretty early on in the bike. And I think in your Instagram recap, you mentioned that you were like worried someone was going to come by you. And you just kind of was, you were able to just like focus on a rhythm with all those laps. So what was going through your mind during that race? Can you give us a, like a short, short recap? Yeah. So it was a really fun race in the sense that, um, you know, it was 17 laps on that bike, but it had lots of corners. And even though I'm personally still getting used to the time trial bike, I felt like really comfortable because there was still a few turns and, it, I don't know, it wasn't very technical compared to what I'm used to in ITU racing. So I kind of relished in it. So I thought, you know, um, but I still wasn't super confident because I had never raced any of those girls before over, you know, a non-drafting race. And I really don't know where I, you know, stand amongst those girls. I've watched a lot of the races. So yeah, I was a bit unsure. Um, You know, I was obviously saw Sarah, when I rode past her, um, unfortunately she crashed. And then literally for the rest of the race, well, for the whole race, I had no idea where anyone was. I kept kind of looking behind. I saw Chelsea Sodaro there for a while, a bit, bit back, but then, you know, I didn't see her. So I knew that I'd obviously put time into her. I was kind of waiting for Emma Pallant and a few others to kind of come past me, but they never did. So I got to a point where I was like, okay, just focus on yourself. Just look forward. Just think about, how you can ride this bike course as fast as possible. And yeah, I did that and then kind of got out onto the run and I think it was seven laps um, around the race car track there and it was pretty hot and pretty brutal conditions. So I guess it was just about looking forward to getting to the aid station each lap, cooling yourself down and yeah, thankfully, um, yeah, I could do that and stay composed and, and take the win. 
And you mentioned that the time trial bike is still a little bit new for you, but it sounds like maybe the the mental aspect of racing, the, you know, non-drafting racing is, is something that you're also kind of fine tuning still. And like, do you find that that's definitely an area that's just, I mean, obviously it's so drastically different from, you know, an ITU race, a WTS race where you're in a pack on the bike and you probably have a lot of other things going through your mind, you know, other than just kind of flying solo for a while. Yeah, definitely. And I think that I could stay really engaged in Clash Miami because I could, well, for one, it was only 60K, so it wasn't that long, but also because of the um, course, I could stay quite engaged. But I was still, like, my confidence, I didn't have the confidence just to kind of go from the start and just back myself. So, yeah, I think that um, I'm super comfortable on my time trial bike. Um, I do race Noosa every year here in Australia and that's non-drafting but I guess over the years it's kind of been like I get back home from an ITU season and I've either got a week on my TT bike or depending if the ITU season finishes a bit earlier I might have uh, six or seven weeks on it so every year it's kind of just different I just jump on it um, at the end of the year just to race Noosa and then I, I put it away for the rest of the year So I think that um, definitely over 90K, it's a massive jump up in distance from 40K, but also just um, being smart and just trying to stay aero and comfortable, but still uh, transfer that power. So I definitely feel like I've still got a lot to learn, but it's been such a fun challenge. And I kind of, yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to the the races this year to try and improve and um, just get used to, yeah, the whole the whole race and racing over that distance, but also, yeah, definitely the mental aspect of it and staying engaged and staying, um, yeah, just learning how to race hard for that long. <laughs> and you did win, as you mentioned, you won that race. And how did that feel after going through, you know, several years of pandemic where travel was so hard? You were you know, outside of a few exceptions, you were able to, you know, you're mostly racing in Australia. And that was a really deep field with really tough conditions. And yet you rose to the occasion. Did that feel special? Yeah, definitely. And I, I guess definitely at Clash Miami, I felt it was just so nice to be in a room with different athletes from kind of all over the world. And it was, it kind of felt strange to be there again and, and doing that but yeah I, I definitely loved it and had had such a great time and even my whole time in America um, and then doing obviously Oceanside last weekend or two weekends ago I kind of came home and I realized like how much I still want to do this sport because over the last couple of years it's been easy just to I guess be comfortable in Australia 2020 no one could do much right and I kind of enjoyed just having a reset and uh taking a break from traveling I'd done it for over 10 years and obviously being an Australian we have to travel quite extensively to be part of the circuit and race so it was really refreshing but then in 2021 you saw the rest of the world move on and and start racing and we still were it was very, very difficult to be able to go overseas um, and be guaranteed a ticket home back to Australia. I, I won't even try and explain how, how difficult 
it would be to do that um, easily. So I kind of just chose to stay home. And even though I, it was difficult, I, I don't, I don't regret it. But now that I've had a taste of getting back overseas and racing internationally, uh, it's reinvigorated me so much. And I realized just how much I want to, how much I love the sport and how much I want to continue. And uh, definitely my motivation is pretty high at the moment. Ashley, we get a lot of listener questions about gear and running shoes are always a hot topic. So I think from the Clash Miami photos I saw, at least, I, I don't know if I caught it in Oceanside, but I think in Miami, at least, you ran in, I think, the Asics Metaspeed Sky shoe. So would you say that that's your favorite racing shoe? So I actually raced in two different shoes. Uh, I raced in the Metaspeed, Sky, uh, Metaspeed Edge in Miami, which is a lower stack. And I did that because when I recon the course the day before, I realized um, around the race car track, um, we were kind of running on the way the cones were set up, we were running on like a little bit of a camber for some of the course. And I found that, yeah, the Metaspeed edge, which a lower stat would be more stable. So I kind of went with, and it's got a bit more of a real feel. Um, so I kind of went with that uh, for Miami, but then I changed it up for Oceanside. And what was the reasoning for Oceanside? Because it's all on concrete, you wanted more cushion? Yeah, definitely. And there was some like pretty sharp turns uh, going up and down from like the like the ocean level up to the street level. You know, you have to go up those really steep ramps and you have to turn those 180 corners pretty hard. But uh, still going into the unknown a little bit, running a half marathon. Uh, yeah, I was just like, I don't know how my legs are going to handle this. 21k just in general let alone on the hard compact concrete of Oceanside so I definitely went with the higher stack to to support the legs as much as possible and that race in Oceanside I mean it looked great but I think between the two races you actually trained in Tucson Arizona which uh, coincidentally is where I am right now I'm prepping for St. George and I'd love to hear your thoughts you know was this your first time in Tucson and how did you select Tucson as a training location? Yeah, it was my first time in Tucson, I guess, for an extended period. I think about six or five or six years ago, I was there just kind of through in it for a day or two. So I don't think that counts. Um, but I really enjoyed it. I was there staying with Heather Jackson and, and Sean Watkins. And uh, I'd stayed with them before in their home in Bend in Oregon. So, um, yeah, they're good friends of ours. So I was very thankful because since Josh couldn't come over, if I didn't have a house to go to with friends, uh, I don't think that I would have stayed over. I actually think I would have flown home because it's pretty daunting um, prospect at the time. So I'm glad that um, in my mind, when Josh couldn't enter, I knew that I had, you know, Heather and Waddy there in Tucson, that they would still let me stay. So that was a, a big reason for, um, I guess, for company and and also because, yeah, they stay there and I've heard it's good for training and I thought that it was a pretty perfect place to stay in between those two races, somewhere kind of in the middle but um, a little bit closer to Oceanside and maybe one of the warmest places in America at the moment, which is good for an Australian. <laughs> and 
you know, did you get to experience all the typical Tucson things? I think of it, I guess, when I'm there training for an, for an Ironman. So from that perspective, it's a lot of time on Mount Lemmon, you know, running on the bike path, that kind of thing. Did you have a favorite training spot that you did a session, like a key session in while you were there? Yeah, I enjoy it. I had to go at up Mount Lemon just once. You hear so much about that mountain. So that was fun. Um, yeah, I did a, a, a pretty key bike ride um, on Mount Lemon. Unfortunately, it kind of meant that I kind of was going up and down a little bit. Next time I'll, I'd like to go all the way to the top. Um, and then, yeah, I guess the bike path network there is really great. So I felt like it was an awesome connection to some of the roads and uh, nice running along there too, because uh, I, I run typically a lot of trails and, and off-road running. And I live in like a very, very hilly suburb here in Brisbane. So sometimes I'm like, don't ever feel that fast running. And it's always, I guess, through throughout summer, it's pretty hot. So you're never going super fast, but then you get into the dry heat in Tucson and it's a lot cooler in some of those mornings than it is here, I guess, in subtropical Queensland and um, on that flat path, I, I was kind of like, oh, maybe I am running all right because, you know, it's it's pretty fast. So it's it's nice to do some uh, pre-race efforts and and feel good before a race along there. And you did race in Oceanside, like we mentioned. You finished fourth there. And that race, I mean, also had a very deep, almost world championship type field. How did you feel before the race and how are you, how do you feel now about your performance? Yeah, I guess I just jumped right into the deep end um, in this new, I guess, chapter of my career. But I definitely am super happy that I went there because, like you said, it was a pretty crazy field. There were some girls there that, um, you know, multiple world champions, multiple world championship podiums, um, and then a, a ton of girls too that I, I didn't know too well, just, you know, some – ITU girls, but then some which, you know, I haven't ever raced in my life before. So it was a super interesting dynamic for me. There was some women which I knew their strengths and weaknesses and others, like, like I mentioned, I had, I just had no idea. So it was kind of exciting. Um, I actually didn't feel too nervous. I was, I was kind of just so happy to be there and happy to have the opportunity to race such a, such a great field. So uh, I loved the ocean swim. Uh, I know not everyone loved that, but coming from Australia and growing up on the Gold Coast, I was like, this is the perfect situation. So I think I got around the first can like in second and I was just like, well, this has never happened before, but I'll take it. So it was a very good start to the day, right? Um, and then, yeah, it was, I was solo for that whole 90k so it was pretty lonely but like you said it was a great mental challenge and I feel like the more experience I get the better I'll be at you know staying um staying engaged for 90k and really learning how to ride a solid time trial for 90k so that's super exciting and then yeah onto the run it was um it was an awesome course there was so many people out there cheering and it was nice to be back at an event and just have so many, you know, age groupers on course and so many people on the sidelines. So yeah, I definitely, um, definitely felt the concrete the day after when I was on my long haul back to Australia. But um, yeah, other than that, I, I felt like I, I pulled up really well and super happy. I got to race such an, such an awesome field and 
yeah, kind of got back. And um, even though I went into like, you know, a down week and had some time off, I was kind of like, I kind of don't want to, I just want to keep training, but um, just trying to think of the bigger picture. I um, yeah, took some time off and getting ready to go again. And what about the nutrition side of things? Have you, you know, you haven't mentioned, especially in a race in like Miami where the heat was getting to everyone, you know, being on top of your hydration and being able to manage that would be a big thing as you're stepping up to a longer distance. Um, you know, you've, you've raised 70.3 before, but do you feel like that's been an area of focus for you as you're kind of starting this new chapter, like you've said, or is it something that's kind of, you know, you, you feel pretty good about and, you know, maybe working on the getting used to the 90k bikes and stuff like that is, is more of what you're focused on. I think it's um, all of it, really. I think there's, yeah, so many elements of the race. I think that, um, yeah, it's just, it is just so different to, I guess, what I'm used to and, and how I train and um, pretty much across all three disciplines, really. It's getting used to, um, yeah, the different training and the distance and the equipment. And yeah, definitely nutrition plays a massive factor because, in an Olympic distance, you kind of just chuck a couple of gels on the bike and I don't know, you don't really think about it too much. You might take one halfway through the bike leg and then you just get off and run as fast as you can. So I feel like uh, I definitely started thinking about it. Josh was kind of like, Ashley, this is something that you're probably going to have to um, start actually training as well, not just swim, bike, run. So yeah, I definitely feel like I can keep trying to I guess train that in training just to get my gut kind of prepared for the amount of carbs and stuff I need to take over that distance but to be honest uh yeah I handled it pretty well um in Miami and in Oceanside it was a lot cooler so I felt like it was probably easier to consume like on the bike but I'm probably still I've been working with a few uh, people from Pre- Precision Hydration and they're kind of keen to see me step up the the carb intake a bit more. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely going to try and do that in the upcoming races and also try and do it more in training just to to get used to it. And we've mentioned your run a couple of times and you did have the fastest run split in Oceanside. I think you were the only person to run 116 split. You are new to the half marathon. Like, how do you feel about, you know, the longer distance? And I mean, are you, are, as you're learning these things, is the plan this year to race the world championships, 70.3 world championships? Um, yeah, in Oceanside, it was funny because I kind of had no idea where I was because like I said, I, I got off, I was riding by myself the whole time. I saw a few people here and there, but that's another thing I need to learn. I was so nervous about the 12 meter rule. I was just like, oh, just leave 20 meters. And I was like, I can't probably can't afford to do that, especially in a field like that. Um, And I got off and I had no idea, like you can't hear time splits or anything. So I definitely just kind of got off and ran as fast as I could. I thought I would blow up, blow up, to be honest, but it was a really nice surprise that I didn't um, and could run myself up to fourth. But, you know, I was kind of nowhere near that podium. So it'll be exciting when I can try and be a bit more competitive um, and hopefully try and run up to, you know, to a podium when I can kind of get the whole race together. Um and no, I actually didn't 
take my world spot that I earned because um, I guess there's a lot of championship type racing that uh, I would like to do this year anyway. And long story short, I was supposed to get married last year, but then no one could come into Australia that we wanted to to be here. Pretty much none of Josh's family was going to be able to attend, even his parents. So we um, delayed a whole year. And then since then, Ironman changed the date of 70.3 Worlds. <laughs> so, and yeah, you probably understand how hard it would be to reschedule again <laughs> because <laughs> there's just so much happening. And um, yeah, we have... We have family that we haven't seen in two to five years. So um, it's way too close to the wedding. And Josh has family from the Netherlands and our only grandparent left, his Omar, is hopefully see her from New Zealand. So, yeah, I won't be at World Champs, but I kind of feel like uh, I'd like to do just races that I'd like to do this year. Um, Being an Olympic distance athlete, I've had the pressure of world championships, Commonwealth Games and Olympics my whole career. So it might just be liberating to be able to just do what I want to do this year and then definitely think about that for future years. And Ashley, you mentioned the Olympics, which was probably, you know, before this season, your focus for the five years, right? Prior to to that. And I imagine Tokyo was not the day you wanted to have. You didn't end up finishing the race last summer. And that came after a disappointing Rio Olympics for you as well. When I listened to the story about you going into the race, your bike and your gear is all lost during travel, ultimately found quite damaged. It sounded like literally a nightmare for any athlete going to the Olympics. And I certainly don't pretend to know too much about what it would like to be at your level competing on the Olympic stage, but I imagine there's various stages of processing the great performances and probably the, the disappointing ones. So Do you feel like you've been able to put Tokyo behind you? Are you still working to kind of process that race and, you know, kind of how it all unfolded? Yeah, I've definitely feel like I've processed Tokyo in a sense that I've definitely moved on now. It was pretty difficult though, to be honest. It was just, yeah, I can't even describe or try and yeah try and describe the level of disappointment that I had uh, after that race and you know if you if I was to try and understand it myself like you know why would you have the worst race of your entire life on the one day that you wanted to have the best I'd just send myself crazy and yeah of course there's reflection and there's some things that like I thought of and spoke to people about but then at the end of the day sometimes there's not just one clear cut answer and it might not just, and it might not make you feel that much better anyway. I think it's just getting to a level of acceptance that what happened happened and I needed, I need to move on. Um, And I guess it is super disappointing because I feel like I raced really well in between each Olympics. And then when the Olympics kind of came around, that's when I didn't perform. And yeah, it's obviously super hard to admit that to myself and, and process that, but I can't go back in time and change what happened in those races or change the results. So it's just, yeah, accepting it. And I guess it was super hard even to make that decision because I would have loved to have been able to have the, the race that I dreamt of in Tokyo and then be like, okay, now I can move on and 
feel satisfied and you know part of me is like you know some people ask like oh would you want to go to Paris and it's like if I kept trying to get the Olympic result which I I think I'm capable of but it's never guaranteed I might not be able to fulfill my other dreams and that being in middle distance racing so yeah I just had to make a decision and I'm super happy I chose to uh move on from that I guess world but I am definitely super super grateful for the experiences that I had I had the most fun of my life racing on the world series circuit and being in those Olympic teams and I really have to remind myself that when I think of the results but yeah I had I had a great time for for most of the part so I can be satisfied with that and you didn't waste any time after Tokyo as you mentioned you raced your eighth Noosa triathlon and your eighth win there and so Noosa can you tell us a little bit more about this race because I think it's a pretty iconic race for the sport and it just seems like everyone says amazing things about the Noosa triathlon so what is it about it that makes it so special? Yeah I guess it's got a pretty incredible history Uh, it's been going on for decades now and um, yeah so it was actually my my 10th time racing there I started racing there when I was I think 18 or 19 and I got second to Carolyn Stefan and then um yeah have got another second place and then yeah have won eight times so it's pretty special it's Australia's biggest I think it's the world's biggest triathlon actually it's surpassed so I don't know but it's huge it's about 12 to 15,000 competitors over the weekend there's um, during the week, there's a swim run, there's a breast cancer charity run, there is a professional 5K run, a criterium, uh, Robbie, there's, there's more charity events, there's a golf day, <laughs> there's it, there's a 1K swim with for pro- professionals and age groupers. And then I guess, yeah, the marquee event is the Olympic distance non-draft race on the Sunday morning. And yeah, it's just part of Australian history and there's most Australian triathletes through the years have raced Noosa Triathlon. So it's a hugely iconic race here down under and um, yeah, it's always super special and yeah, I just want to go back each year. There's such a great atmosphere, such a great vibe and yeah, you definitely if you're ever in Australia, plan to be here at the start of November to to be involved because it's, yeah, it's a pretty special event. And Ashley, you did share that you have a really big, exciting life event, you know, with your wedding later this year, you won't be uh, at the world championships. You talked about wanting to race things that you want to race and things like that. Um, can you share maybe what a couple of those will be? What's, what's next for you, um, you know, in the, in the near term here? Yeah, so I guess I've got a whole list of races that I want to race and some of them are like some of the PTO races, which I, when I wrote them down, I'm like, I don't know if I can get a start in these, but this can be my ambitious race plan and then I'll obviously have a plan B as well. So I think that uh, after the first two races, I've got at least two scores for my PTO ranking. I need a third race to... I don't know, actually boost my results up because it's an average out of three to be, I guess, even in a with a chance to qualify for those races. So 
yeah, I would like to be able to do the PTO series if I can get a start. I'd like to be able to do the Collins Cup if I have enough points before I'm if I'm picked. Um, and then my next race would be the the championship in Slovakia uh, at the end of May. So I'm doing yeah, obviously training back here at home, and then I'll head to Europe with Josh um, if he can't get to St George. Obviously, it's still um, who knows. So if he can, if he can't be in America with face St George, we'll travel together to Europe and. Um, yeah, there's a few European races that um, I'm kind of looking at after the, the championship. And yeah, I'll be back and forth from Europe and America a little bit if I get to do those races I want to do. But um pretty excited to be, yeah, traveling again. So hopefully. <laughs> well, we know that you're well on your way to those PTO points. And we look forward to seeing you at uh, some big races this year and in the years to come. Thank you so much, Ashley, for joining us. Thanks for having me. Alyssa, I think Ashley might be the first person we've talked to who specifically said they were targeting those PTO opens the in Canada and in Dallas and Collins Cup. I'm not exactly sure if she's at the PTO opens, but um, just some of those PTO races and PTO points and uh, racing the challenge championship and, you know, getting away from that 70.3 circuit. And so it is interesting to see these short course athletes coming over to the middle distance, uh, non-draft side, and then really going toward those PTO sponsored races. And I think that we might see that more frequently as, you know, PTO prize money grows and those PTO rankings and the, the enticing uh, prize money, I guess, of bringing them over. Yeah, I think we definitely will see more about that. I actually... Um, have listened to a few of Paula Finley and Eric Lagerstrom's podcasts that they have. And they actually have been talking kind of quite a bit about how they're doing similar things. I mean, both of them have short course backgrounds and are kind of structuring things to be able to, um, you know, race for the PTO points. And to do that, like they're mixing in some 70.3 Ironman events, but it's like the the focus remains on that PTO point. So it's definitely kind of changed the landscape of particularly middle distance, um, you know, non-draft triathlon. And it's, it's interesting to see, it's cool to see, you know, new options, more, uh, exposure and hopefully more prize money out there for, for the athletes. So, um, all wins, but yeah, thanks to Ashley for coming on and talking to us and it'll be fun to see what the rest of her season holds. Yeah, the evolution of the sport, always exciting. But Alyssa, uh, well, I hope you have a great week. I think you have a race coming up. Is that Did I just make that up or is that actually happening? Yeah, Haley, it's adventure racing season. So I'm kicking that off this weekend with a 24-hour race down in Virginia. Um, so yeah, packing up uh, more gear than you know triathlon ever needed. So I managed to find that sport that needs actually more gear, which is... <laughs> pretty silly but it should be a good time i'm excited to we're having snow tonight so it'll be warmer down in virginia i'll get to um see some sunshine down there hopefully good well safe travels to you safe packing and good luck and i can't wait to hear about it next week bye Haley. you have been listening to the iron women podcast hosted by Haley chura and Alyssa gadeski iron women is a production of feisty media and is edited and produced by Lindsay glassford Head to livefeisty.com to find more podcasts, events, stories, and fresh perspectives. Thanks for listening.
Alyssa, Amino Co. has been a longtime podcast sponsor. And every time I'm listening to the show and I hear our Amino Co. ad, I'm always shocked to hear how Amino Co. co-founder Dr. Robert Wolf has run a marathon in under two hours and 30 minutes, 62 times. I just can't believe that's a real stat. Me either. It is very impressive and it gives me a lot of confidence. Dr. Wolf knows what he's talking about when it comes to performance and recovery. I actually took AminoCo Heal before and after my recent knee surgery. I've been using Heal a lot after really big workouts as I've started to ramp up my training. And I also use my personal favorite, AminoCo Perform, before and during my hardest sessions. Do you have a favorite flavor? For Perform, I definitely go with the Strawberry Lemonade. It has a really light flavor and a little bit of caffeine that I think helps keep me focused during my really tough intervals. And for heel, I like vanilla. I just feel like vanilla gets me into recovery mode. What about you? The vanilla heel is my favorite too. I find it mixes really well into my post-workout shakes that I make. Wait, what do you put in your shakes? Well, oftentimes just whatever I have in the fridge, sometimes vegetables, sometimes collagen, you know, whatever I have. Summer shakes are way more interesting because it's like I make them cold. But the winter shakes are a little less fancy. Do you ever add snow to your winter shakes? <laughs> I mean, I'm going to start doing that now. <laughs> I don't know, make, make sure it's clean snow. I am not quite as fancy. I just add water. It, I think it still works pretty well. But uh, well, however you like your Amino Co, you can rest assured that in clinical trials, muscle protein synthesis from exercise more than doubled by athletes using Perform and Heal was shown to trigger muscle growth and repair better than other high quality protein sources. Head to AminoCo.com slash Ironwomen to see very large photos of me and Haley using AminoCo products. Then select your favorite products and use code Ironwomen for 30% off at checkout. First time purchases also come with a free gift. That's AminoCo.com forward slash Ironwomen and code Ironwomen for 30% off. All right, Alyssa, I'm like starting to swim more again. And I feel like you were swimming a lot last year with, oh, with one water. And how did you keep your hair from get, getting so destroyed? I was swimming so much last year. And I used to try hard, Kelly, and I still swear by it. They have extensively researched this problem and created a superior vegan, dermatologically tested proprietary blend. Try hard has shampoo, conditioner, body wash, and more stuff. Everything you're going to need for your pre and post swim necessities. I've also seen that top pros like Chelsea Sodaro and Lucy Charles Barkley also praise the effectiveness of Try Hard. I think it's like definitely changed how good I feel just coming out of chlorine. And we have a code right now too for anyone who wants to try, you know, <laughs> try Try Hard and stop suffering from dry, itchy skin, having their hair get all, you know, green, which happens to me because mine's like super blonde and get all beat up. You can try any of the TryHard products with the code 20FEISTY, that's 20FEISTY, for 20% off store-wide at tryhard.co. So that's 20FEISTY for 20% off at tryhard.co. Chasing Epic is the essence of the Orca brand. It is about seeking the moments in life that make us feel truly alive and connected with the beauty of the world around us. 
And let's be real, chasing Epic is feisty. Orca has been a longtime partner of Feisty, and we work with them year after year because we love their products and their commitment to creating amazing wetsuits made for women. They also supported me on Team USA last year at the One Water Race, which was most definitely also chasing Epic. With Orca's range of triathlon wetsuits, including Apex and Athlex, you can choose between flexibility, buoyancy, or a combination of both. There's a wetsuit for every triathlete and for all of your Epic adventures. And as a feisty listener, you can get 15% off with the code IRONWOMEN15 at orca.com.